Welcome to Tabula Rasa, bitches! Rasa bitches, you'll listen as two decades-long friends jump back into the world of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and relive the show that brought them close together and taught them so many of the values they still cherish today. Each episode of Tabula Rasa bitches, and we do have to say it that way every single time, we'll dive into an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and discuss the lessons that can be learned from our favorite Sunnydale warriors and the supernatural creatures they use their talents and friendship to overcome. And today we'll be discussing season one, episode one, Welcome to the Hellmouth. And just settle in for a girthy, nice long episode today as we tell you about ourselves, you know, and just kind of get into the rhythm of everything. Not quite a good enough of a reason to use the word girthy, but I'll allow it. (laughs) We are going to be so excited to jump into our first ever episode summary here in a second. But first, Allie, light of my life, amazing, (laughs) wonderful human who I'm so glad to know. Let's, Let's talk about this. Tabula rasa, bitches. That's such a strange title. Can you unpack it for what's going to be our vast audience? I absolutely can do that. So we were kind of struggling talking about what the title of our show should be once we decided that we should indeed have a show. And I feel like a title is an important thing, and we both knew that. So I reached out to my good friend, Leanna Haupt, because she is also a big Buffy fan. And I thought, you know, maybe she'd have some ideas. She's also a writer. She's somebody I think of as a very creative person. So I was like, hey, we're starting a rewatch podcast. We would like it to be, you know, something, something, a Buffy rewatch podcast. And she came almost immediately right back with Tabula Rasa, because it is the title of an episode in season six comes on the heels of a very landmark episode uh but Mm -hmm. try not to give too many spoilers Mm -hmm. um and it's her favorite episode and i i do think it's an it's not my favorite but it's an excellent episode and as soon as she said that i definitely i was like oh clean slate which is what tabula rasa means and that's kind of us we're we're approaching this show with fresh eyes like Obviously, this is not our first time watching it. This is a re-watch show for us. But I do think that we're in a very different portion of our lives than we were certainly when we first started seeing this. So I think it's nice to kind of come with a clean slate, fresh eyes, new perspective to see what new things that we notice and learn from this show that we both love. And isn't that one of the most amazing things about Buffy speaks to how timeless it is that you really can come back to it during different phases, different times, challenges that you're going through in life and kind of take 
take away something new each time, look at something a little different each time. hundred percent. Yeah. Like any good book or movie or whatever, it's constantly evolving what it means to you. Oh, and uh, the bitches part comes from, we didn't want to sound too hoity-toity with tabula rasa. So we added bitches just so, you know, that we're still here to have fun. We're here to We're like, a couple of bitches. We yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. We're here to have fun. I mean, you're a bitch. Yeah. I'm perfect. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, we can't both be the same. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like we're here to analyze and to pick apart and stuff, but for fun. But for fun. Just for fun. Just for fun. Two, two, two old besties. Um, I would like to share with share with folks uh, just a little bit about ourselves and how I became to be so incredibly obsessed with you, Allie, if that's okay. Talking about me, that's always okay. <laughs> so my older sister, uh, during Allie and I uh, went to elementary, middle, high school, college together. We've known Ooh. each other forever, but we got to be especially close when my older sister uh, babysat Allie and her older brother, Ben, over a summer in high school. And, and thank goodness she did this, brought me along to hang out with you. So Yeah. I want to say it was actually like at least two, if not three summers in a row. But it was it was a thing. It was a yeah. routine. So this was a, yeah, it was elementary school. And yeah. yeah, my parents both worked and Ben and I were, you know, minors and stuff. So they, so... Melissa would come over and sometimes bring Nick and Nick and his older brother Ryan, or sometimes just Nick, and we would have vicious pillow fights and go to Six so Flags. Good. Do you remember and your unfinished basement at the time? Now it's yes, like the I most do. gorgeous basement ever. But oh my god, so many good memories. So I so do. Half of it had carpet on it, and it was freezing, and it didn't have a bathroom down there. And yeah, it was just like creepy with lots of dark shadows, and we still had sleepovers and stuff down there, and it was great. It was so great. Oh, yeah. so many. I could reminisce forever, Allie. I have so um, many fond memories of going over to your dad's house and hugging Buddy. Oh, Buddy. The hot tub. He was such a good German Shepherd. Yeah. Oh, and for and for context, I think, and flavor, which I think is very important to our friendship, our very special bond of friendship, is that in third grade, I was obsessed and in love with you. <laughs> <laughs> and how the roles have reversed because I am now obsessed with and in love with you. But you, oh, now it's just mutual. You've decided true. Okay. Well, I've asked you to marry me, and you say you have a partner or something. But yeah. I like Hayden, like, well, so you also have a fiance, so I guess I'm also engaged. So what can I also yes. I also don't have a penis, which I think would hinder your attraction to me. I do prefer. <laughs> penises man i am about to put this out there and i just spoke the sentence out loud okay cool that's fine we're gonna go with it i mean you um, are about you are going to marry a man it's true if he keeps me around you never know you never know <laughs> who knows i'm pretty crazy okay. well if um, he does if he does something if he does something crazy i will come to south carolina and do something equally or more crazy so. paul you heard it here first watch yourself sleep with one eye open ali tell people where you live what you do Tell, uh, walk us through the amazingness that is Allie Press. Oh, well, thank you. So I am currently in Baltimore, Maryland. I live with my adorable mutt, Hayden Muller. And our <laughs> 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 oh, sorry, I couldn't resist. You know, I love you, baby. Um, <laughs> no, he's, 
He is the love of my life. Um, he makes my world so so bright and shiny. And we also co-parent a dog, an actual like dog dog uh, named Hazel. And she is terrific. And I honestly can't believe how I lived so long without a dog. Uh, currently, as we record this, I am in Los Angeles for the month and I miss my dog so much. It is so weird coming into a house without a dog. But I digress. So professionally, I am an actor. I work as many film gigs as I can get. I'm working on getting an agent and doing more film stuff. And then I also, to actually pay the bills, I work for Simpler Media, which is a podcast production company run by Evo Terra. He is my wonderful boss. And I do production assistant-y things. So I schedule episodes. I edit videos. I do transcription. I do some audio editing. I'm really just any hat that Evo throws at me, I add it to the hat rack. So yeah, so that's me. What a hat rack it is. Thank you. <laughs> and I live in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which is never a sentence I thought I would say, but here we are with my incredible fiance, Paul, who is a doctor. And ow, I- ow. Ow, ow. And um, I work in a fundraising role for a social justice organization. And my real job in life is <laughs> to be the uh, proud dad slash husband to my pug beagle mix, Prince Joseph Edward Mercer IV. He's stunning. His friends can call him Joey. So all of you can too. And I would be remiss if I did not also, I uh, cannot say enough amazing things about our other amazing, incredible, perfect dog in our life, uh, Samantha. Samantha is Paul's dog, and he did not allow me to give her four names like I <laughs> Joey, but that does not indicate I'm any less obsessed with her. So they are my callings in life. And I guess this podcast now, too. This podcast is, no. It does feel, this does feel right. It feels so right. We should have always had a podcast. We should have. Although if we had done it any sooner, like my previous venture at having a podcast, um, I would have not known what I was doing. And now I have five years of podcast experience under me. So, well, no promises, but I know more than than I did last time I was hosting a podcast. So I'm grateful. I really am grateful for your expertise. And um, I'm I'm going to jump into this episode summary right here in a second, Allie, but um, I kind of just want to, uh, Allie and I both wanted to solidify one thing before we start, and that is just to recognize the context around Buffy, the complicated feelings that many people, including us, have about what we've learned over the years about Buffy's creator, Joss Whedon. We always have and we always will cherish Buffy for the values and lessons it's taught us, but we want to be clear that we believe the people who've shared their experiences of abuse working with Joss, and we are in solidarity with the brave folks who put their careers and reputations on the line to call out his abhorrent behavior. Um, We also know that Buffy, the character, would speak out against Joss's abuse as well. We believe strongly that Buffy's legacy is more than one abusive man, and Allie, I am grateful, and I know that you are grateful too for the opportunity to celebrate the show and the impact it's had on us with everybody else. Absolutely. I'm so excited. And yeah, I just want to add, 
it takes so many people until you're on a film set. You have no idea how many people go into the creation of even just one single episode. It is so much bigger than one insignificant, horrible man. It's as simple as that. Yeah, fuck that dude, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, shall we get into this episode summary? Yes, let's dive right in. You start us off, Allie. I will. All right. And welcome to the Howlmouth, the first episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We meet young Buffy Summers, a sophomore entering Sunnydale High School after getting kicked out from her last school in Los Angeles. Buffy's mom, Joyce, is determined to make this a fresh start. Buffy is trying to be optimistic. On her first day, we encounter the friends that will be the main characters for the seasons to come, including Willow, Xander, Cordelia, Jesse, and the school librarian, Giles. As every teenager does, Buffy struggles to fit in while hiding her secret extracurricular activities, being a slayer. You know, like every teenager. Buffy quickly (laughs) finds out that not everything will be a fresh start in Sunnydale as it seems. Despite her best efforts, she cannot escape her slayer calling. We also meet who will surely be the big bad of the season, the master, and another figure whose motivations remain unknown introduces himself to Buffy as simply a friend. This mysterious friend brings tidings of the harvest and in a bold opening move gifts her a big ass cross. <laughs> it is a bold opening move. The first episode ends with a cliffhanger. Jesse, Willow, and Xander are fleeing and are met by a pack of vampires while Buffy is sure to have met her match in a fight with the master's key servant, a vampire named Luke. Man, oh man. Ah, this first episode in the series. Ah, this I know. is so exciting, Allie. So for those of you watching along with us, uh, I am currently watching this on Amazon. Uh, Amazon has both Buffy and Angel for free on Amazon Prime. And come on, I know all of you are get that, getting that Prime free two-day shipping, so you can do it too. And I love that Amazon includes the little intro that played on the box sets with the... In each generation, a slayer is born. She alone will stand mm-hmm. against the vampires. And I was like, ooh. And of course, I was three when this came out. I was watching it live, but I was three, so I don't remember everything. So I don't remember if that aired with it, but I don't know. Maybe it did. Um, it's yeah. just that nostalgia of that. It hits mm-hmm. me every time. brings yep. me right back. Oh, so good. I'm instantly in. in oh, ah, I love Buffy so much. I know. so many, So many marathons in my basement. Oh my God, the schoolgirl pleated skirt look is back and I am here for it. You're going to hear me talk a lot about my deep affection for 90s style. Buffy is styling so many of them. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. Buffy the show is styling. Yeah. Like Buffy, yeah. the, Buffy the character is styling. Cordelia is a style icon. Oh, yes. Xander, he looks good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, as I shop on places like Dolls Kill and even Forever 21 these days, what I'm realizing is that what I am trying to do is to dress like the mean girls in the shows that I grew up watching. (laughs) I I have no idea what that says about me. Uh, Tall, (laughs) knee-high boots, short skirts, sweater sets. Knee-high boots, short skirts. Um, (laughs) I I love how this starts out. And I think this is, this just, I, I love that they set the tone so early with this first scene mm-hmm. has us second guessing things. This this first scene, the who we learn a vampire, who we learn his name Darla is going through in a, a, a Sunnydale High with, with this other guy. And, and we're led to believe that 
they're being either followed by something or there's somebody something creepy happening. But then it turns out that she's actually a vampire and kills him. Ha! Gotcha. And, uh, <laughs> they and they got us the viewers. Yeah, oh, man, I do. didn't see that one coming. I do love a quick turn. I do. I love reversal of expectations, juxtaposition. I love all of that because yeah, it's like it's her that's the vampire, not him. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of stuff that now I've just come to like take for granted with Buffy, but it's actually like a pretty big deal. Like a lot of a lot of the feminist stuff in here is pretty dope. Um, I never broke into any places when I was young. Did you? Sure did not. Sure did not. <laughs> Are we lame? Yeah. In terms of our <laughs> <laughs> like in terms of our extracurriculars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Anna and Emily, I think, ended up breaking into like the women's asylum, the old abandoned women's asylum, like in college, maybe. Um, or they were going to and then they like got into an accident or something like that. Or they were worried that they were going to ruin her sister's car. And that was just not an okay thing because you don't piss off Lauren. Uh, so oh, yeah. yeah. So okay. basically like my friend group was just, we were not adventurous. We liked my basement, pizza, and rom-coms. Movie nights. Yeah. yeah. We were all, movie yeah. nights were the move. Oh yeah. We had a good time so, too. Yeah. Man. I mean, like I did, certainly wasn't, pining away like wishing someone would invite me to a party like i was happy it's just by other people's standards yes we were lame well what can you do yeah what can you do um decades later and this theme still slaps oh the theme of the theme song the theme song Oh, yeah, this is diving diving back into the show uh this theme song (laughs) still kicks ass (laughs) <laughs> oh that's so funny oh yes goodness. it does cannot cannot agree enough that's gonna i i i won't note that every episode but yeah just an iconic but i will song. be thinking it in my head every single time absolutely um i like that um we're already seeing we're already getting a glimpse into the master's lair mm-hmm. in her nightmare yeah it's creepy as hell it's creepy yeah and that ends up being kind of a big thing of her not being able to escape her calling when she moves to Sunnydale. Like, well, she's still she's still clearly being called. She's still being given these uh, these nightmares. And that's actually something that ties into the movie, which is sort of a prequel, which I still love. And maybe we'll do that as like a bonus episode at some point, because I I do love the groundwork that the movie laid, even though there are some differences as far as like what's canon. Um, but that the dreams is a big thing before, mm. like when she's getting, when she is being called and before she like meets Merrick, her first watcher or whatever, she gets these dreams that she cannot explain. Can't run away from who you are, Buffy. You can't do it. No. Nope. I'm so sorry. You can try. Um, everyone on this show can get it. Yes. I mean, everyone. Who, were, who is that? Who are you thinking specifically of when you wrote that? Uh, Buffy, Xander, Giles, Cordelia, Jesse, Willow. Yeah, so what pretty, I was thinking much everybody. of, I wrote a similar note. What I was thinking of is even the first time we see Xander on his skateboard and mm-hmm. he's being all cute. I, yeah, everybody on this show can get it. Yeah. Yeah, Jesse, super hot. Yep. Yep. Well, and I just, I... The guy best friend kind of like 90s role, that was absolutely who I would have had a crush on 
in school. It is, yeah. Like it wasn't who everybody would have said. Like it wasn't the captain of the football team, like that kind of guy. Like it was the geekier guy who would have been in like probably the same clubs as me or in band. And like I would have been all over Xander Harris. Got some teddy bear vibes to him. Mm-hmm. And that like middle part 90s boy hair, uh, all about it. The middle part is back. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It, some of us are not meant to rock a middle part. And that's our cross to bear. Um, But it is definitely definitely back. Um, Yeah, you'll notice a lot of 90s girl fashion is back, but not the guy's baggy pants. Uh, That is staying in the 90s where it belongs. Yeah, I love I love um, I love the boys uh, uh, upper wear, but the baggy pants have got to go. I don't love them. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody who can stay forever and I wish did stay forever is Principal Flutie because he's, I oh. find him just a gem. Speaking of teddy bears. Oh, Speaking of teddy Flutie. bears, how he offers Buffy that clean slate, rips up the permanent record and then tapes it back together when and he realizes why she but, you know, like, like oh, the, the, the thought was there. The thought was there. Yeah, was the attention is absolutely there and he just definitely strikes you as that person who is genuinely in education for the right reasons, which we don't get a lot of. Mm. Um, interesting that Buffy is so in denial of being the slayer, but she still packed a stake to school. Yeah. <laughs> Can never be too prepared. Yeah. Can you? No, no. And I do think that maybe speaks to her, like, still her gut instincts mm-hmm. of, like, it's just that second nature and once you once you know about these things that go bump in the night, you can't unknow it. And we see this we see this later in this episode too. This um, she does um, a, a, a student's dead body turns up, and mm-hmm. she could choose to whatever. Choose right, to that's not her whatever. job. She's not a cop. She can't do it though. She has to go. Right. Maybe the stake is the similar. I gotta like. How can I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't just run away from who you are. Right. I think so. Yeah. There's definitely that. Um, right. Like you said, she can't, she can't not know, mm-hmm. you know, she may go in and find that it was, you know, whatever he had a heart attack or whatever, but of course he didn't. Cause this is Sunnydale. Um, you never, this is an observation I had watching this, um, watching her sit down next, next to Cordelia in class. You never stay friends with the first friends you make. That's so true. I just, that's something I learned after years of going to summer camp of like, because on that first day, you're really just going with like, I need to not be alone. So I'm going to sit next mm. to you and we're going to be friends and because I need somebody to talk to. But that's not who you actually end up bonding with and who you're still writing to after camp or same thing happened in college with like the friends I made freshman year. I could tell that they were not my forever friends. And it's just, it's interesting the way that that works out. I, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, Allie, but I, I remember especially very vividly when I went to college it was that same, very strange for me being at college because I had had so my my our friend group we had been friends since elementary school, right. elementary through through high school. So being in college, absolutely already strange, but then made even stranger because I like hadn't had to make friends in a long time. And I remember this vivid experience. I had just finished up a like conversation. It was it was like one of those we all like sat and ate together or something. It was like a don't eat alone kind of thing. And I remember they walked away and I was like, are they going to be my friends for the next four? Oh God, this is going to be a long four years. I had a, I had a very similar moment when we were sitting in our freshman common room. I think we all had our laptops out like doing work and stuff. And they were 
chit-chatting about whatever. And I remember looking around and going, yeah, this isn't it. <laughs> These aren't them. These you aren't know? them. Uh, yeah. It was just nothing in common. They really were trying to much, force it. Really trying to force it. And it was fresh. As far as freshman year went, it was fine. We had a great time. Like a hard turn sophomore year. You lived in residence hall. Yes. Freshman year. Yeah, right. Res Tower. Res Tower. Res Tower. Res Tower. Yeah, that, yeah. that was really Which tower. got a yeah, facelift. Lucky it. It doesn't oh. look so sad and prison-like anymore. Yeah, yeah. It did give prison vibes. Yeah, well, to anybody listening who's going through a transition right now, you'll end up with the friends you're supposed to end up with. Both Allie and I made friends in college. It'll be fine. You got Absolutely. This. Absolutely. And you do have to take some take some chances. You, have to, you do have to get out there because friends will not just knock on, on your door room. Just mm. saying. Uh, okay, back to the show. Giles's face when he pulls out the vampire book, he's just like so excited. He's like a puppy. <laughs> like his eyes light up. And he's like, oh, uh, oh okay, well, I, I guess. Guess not. Guess I was mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Buffy books it as soon as oh, books yeah. it after she sees the book. Hi, I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> Buffy departs quickly <laughs> when she's confronted with more evidence of the fact that she's a slayer yeah and i think she's just so thrown off guard because she's just going to get her bio 101 textbook or whatever and mm. that's what's thrown what's thrown in her face i can i can imagine being being a little thrown off um that brings us to a great willow quote when buffy goes up to talk to her and she goes <gasps> i was just about to say this <laughs> we are on the same wavelength yeah why i mean hi <laughs> such a mood I I love. Um, aren't you hanging out with Cordelia? Can't I do both? Not legally. Not legally. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love '90s speak. As Cordelia comes in and Buffy asks about the body in the locker room, she goes, "Morbid much? I didn't ask." <laughs> oh, and then God, we get Cordelia has so many. And then we get yeah, she is just the queen of quotes. She is so quotable. Um, then we get a really nice moment of show don't tell of Buffy's Slayer strength when she's going into the gym and the gym door is locked and she just gives it a little extra oomph and like breaks off the whole handle. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. Super strength. Like we didn't need some big expository thing. Um, this is one of the things that confirms my like Buffy is an amazing show knowledge of like, okay, yeah, it's excellent writing. They do a lot of show don't tell. Um, that's a really great introduction to all of these characters, like I said, without doing some big info dump. And I feel like too, the way they showed it, not, but by, by telling the audience would have gotten the full context of everything maybe, but by showing, we just get a little taste and yeah. oh man, if, if you thought yeah. that show of strength was impressive, just wait till you see it. It leaves right. us wanting more. Absolutely. Which is interesting. Absolutely. And it shows us where, gives us room to grow. Because mm -hmm. we're like, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, right now she can snap off handles and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we see her do far more impressive feats later on. Um, another great quote from, from Buffy. Gee, can you vague that up for me? <laughs> oh, she's so sassy. It's so good. Yeah. Um, what, what do we think of this moment where uh, she's just... Uh, Flips out at Giles, I don't want to do this, whatever, walks away. Turns out Xander's hold the whole thing. So cool. Uh, 
Yeah, and such a really important thing because I don't know if he would have gotten involved with the whole events that happen after the bronze. Like, I don't know if he would have even mm. been out at the bronze that night. Because mm. he went to go, well, I, I mean, maybe he would have. Maybe he would have. But, like, it's clear he, like, went to go find Buffy to ask her about this. And um, and when he's going to the bronze, like, he happens to, well, we'll get into it. Yeah. I don't think that if he, I think you're right, though. We'll get, I don't think, I don't think he would have continued to be involved if he hadn't overheard that. I haven't thought about that until now, Allie. You're right. Well, because he also, he opens the door. Because Buffy never would have told him on her mm -hmm. own. She's like, well, he already suspects. And I have to go save Willow from a vampire right now anyway. So I guess, like, yeah, it's true. But she wouldn't have told him if he didn't already know. And she would, and Willow <laughs> meets actual vampires, which is why she believes Buffy when she says that she's a slayer. Because they now have, you know, tangible proof. But she didn't have to go through that part of like, do I tell my best friend if I'm the slayer? It's like, well, she didn't have a choice. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He found out. Um, do, uh, so on the way to the bronze, we meet the sexy, <sighs> mysterious, <sighs> well, uh, stranger whose name we don't know yet. Played by the gorgeous David Boreanaz. Oh my God. He's um, so cute. I know. I feel like there's a whole section of people who grew up knowing him as Booth from Bones. And I'm like, ha, Booth. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's Angel. Uh, Although he is, yeah. he is also smoking hot as Booth as well. Yeah, he's really good in that show too. Um, shout out to David Boreanaz for helping me figure out my sexuality. I really appreciate it. <laughs> really appreciate it. Yes, agreed. <laughs> On we both thank you for that. Um, oh, but before we got to Angel, I have who the fuck is the old beardy guy lurking behind Luke? He's not in vamp mode, is he? Yeah, there's like this one random guy in the lair of the master who's behind Luke in this shot. And he's just this weird beardy dude. Just, I don't know. And I, don't know. I, I swear it is either in that scene or in a later scene in the lair. I can't, maybe I have to go back and confirm, but I swear that I saw another vampire walk in also in, well, presumably vampire in human face too and it just felt sacrilegious it was mm -hmm. like you are around you are in the lair you yeah. gotta be in vamp mode here come on man what are you doing right so odd it was just something that it's like the epitome of like noticing something you never noticed before like i've seen this episode a million times i never noticed weird beardy dude behind luke what oh. a creepy lair though right yeah oh epic epic so cool all the candles uh you would need a whole cadre of vampire minions just to keep all those candles lit <laughs> that's a treacherous job for a vampire too absolutely um so moving back to angel i have i have a note angel why are you like this <laughs> like in modern context it is definitely weirder having him come up be super vague and super cryptic super cryptic and but also like kind of weird when she's like whoa yeah what do i want he's like to kill him to kill them all and you're like, what? Who who raised you? Why are like, why don't you come here? Like, first of all, surprising a young woman in an alley? What is yeah. wrong with you? After following her following her first. He's crept up on a young woman right. in an alley. Although 
I love the pole move she does where she's doing a handstand on the pole and then swings down and kicks him in the back. Bad ass. Love pole that girl's moment. a gymnast on top of everything else. Hell yeah. So super cool. Love that. But yeah, you're just like, it's definitely different. Because when I was, I was like three when I was first watching this show. So I was just like stars in my eyes at this brooding bad boy kind of thing. I was totally like all over that. But definitely now, now knowing and having dated and I'm just like, that's, that's weird. It's a weird choice, dude. And you're not young. That that question that you posed at the beginning, why are you like this? Is a good one. <laughs> it really is. Um, isn't that just I, I feel like I feel like that's such a I don't know if it's still a trope in TV, certainly in the 90s, where it'll be like so much of this could have been uh, so so much of what these characters go through if they had just talked a little more, if they just communicated right. a little better. I think we're starting, very slowly starting to get away from that. There are newer shows where people actually like communicate um, or they eventually fess up to their thing. I think that's so much better writing because um, it's just after a while, I get that there's not some people who, who don't tell the truth or they like they don't tell all their secrets or whatever, but like most people do. Mm-hmm. Most people communicate, and mm-hmm. I think it's at the end of the day, it ends up being lazy writing. I think it works for Angel because it slowly gives us like who he is, and he is meant to be this brooding, mysterious, hunky guy. Like that's mm-hmm. his role. Um, and Buffy doesn't do a ton of that, like secret identity stuff, and there's not there's not a ton of it. It's not obnoxious. You know, no, they use that tool sparingly, and I appreciate yeah. that. They don't Clark and um, Lana it. <laughs> well, a little Smallville reference for, for the rest of the uh, hot 90s guys fans. <laughs> hot 90s guy, indeed. I'm going to my next note. Allie, you go. Okay. Uh, well, I have just a quick, oh, my God, going to a club alone. I, She's brave. Like, beyond Slayer bravery, just going to a club alone. Oh, have you not had that experience where you walk in and you wave to somebody or somebody waves to you and you wave back and it turns out that they actually weren't waving at you? Of course I have. I I am a human who has lived on this planet for more than 10 years. Yes, I've had that experience. Oh, that's awful. Sometimes I think about times I've done that right as I'm falling asleep. Oh. Do you have that? Do you think about embarrassing things you've done right before you? Of course I do. Yeah, okay, or good. or Woof. or I'm just like while I'm driving, or it's not it's not usually like before I'm falling asleep, but it's at random points in my day, and you want to just like shake your head like an etch a sketch because you're like, why would I think about that? There's nothing <laughs> I can do about it. I have uh, to swerve off the road now. This is how it ends. This right, is how it this has is. To end. I just, can't do it. I have to stab my eye so that I can think about <laughs> something else. <laughs> Um, oh, stab my eye. That's a good <laughs> reference to an episode of Angel, which maybe we'll discuss mm-hmm. at some point. The stabbing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so this does uh, bring us to one of my all-time favorite quotes. Seize the moment, because tomorrow you might be dead. Oh, that's so good. She's giving advice to Willow. Come on, Willow. Just talk to the talk talk to boys. Talk to a boy. You can do it. Seize the moment. You might be dead. Yeah, but then she does seize the moment and ends up being a vampire. So And then it ends up being a vampire. So that's Probably what we get course, for being right, for dude? being brave. That's what we get. Ugh. So stay at home, eat pizza, watch movies, and you um, won't I end think up it's, in a mausoleum. I think it's so funny. And I wonder this is a question for you. Okay. 
Buffy, um, Giles, who is also at the bronze, implores Buffy to use her senses, detect a vampire. Mm -hmm. And she's like, boom, got him right there. It's the clothes. (laughs) I love that It's got to be the clothes. You look like the barge. I think think she is using Slayer powers, though. I think think there's... um, His clothes do give it away. But I think she's also being humble. I think it's a bit of both. I think... Or a bit of all of it. Yeah, I see her being like kind of flippant. Um, Because again, just this kind of like, who are you to tell me what to do? You don't know anything about Mm. me. Um, He may know that her last watcher died, but he may not. I think Mm -hmm. that is a lot of why she's reluctant. I think because I'm choosing to keep that as canon from the movie of her first watcher dying. Um, So yeah, but I do think she probably has kind of a Slayer sense, Spidey sense type thing. But I do think it is part of her unique power as what makes her particular version of a slayer is her noticing his fashion choice. Mm. Like that's maybe her Buffy summer brand of slayer power because that's her deductive reasoning. She's smart. Like slayer ability in and of itself, isn't it? Yeah, like her intelligence level and her particular um, attention to detail and that kind of thing. I can see that as just as as being a power because I think maybe a lot of people would have maybe not like think of it as the height of fashion, but noticing just how out of date it is. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. carbon dated. (laughs) It's carbon dated. That's good. Yeah. And we do Um, see time and time again examples and we'll talk about this in later episodes, but we see examples lots of times just how smart Buffy is. Mm-hmm. Not to be underestimated. Um, this next mini scene, so so vampire is escorting Willow out. And oh wait, Buffy's right, like, right oh, before shit, I gotta go find them. Right before that, when she describes uh, Angel to Giles because she thinks he's a friend of Giles, she's gorgeous in an annoying sort of way. <laughs> I love that because there are some people who are just so gorgeous. You're like, now I'm pissed off. Like yeah, you're you're so pretty. Now I'm angry. And uh, I this this feeling that she's getting at this like forbidden kind of love thing mm-hmm. is going to be a theme that comes up. Mm-hmm. Yep, recurring theme. Um, this th- this scene with Cordelia is iconic. <laughs> I mean, nobody cool has Epstein Bar anymore. Yeah. <laughs> as if as if there are cool and not cool diseases I'm talking about what her mom has or doesn't have uh, at uh, least chronic fatigue syndrome <laughs> <laughs> um i i love when um when buffy is looking for willow and she like low-key assaults cordelia <laughs> what is your emotional trauma yeah, your childhood trauma oh Amazing. And then, of course, the follow-up to that. Excuse me. I have to call everyone I have ever met right now. I I say that now. That is a phrase from Buffy. And there's a lot of phrases from Buffy that I have stolen and used in my everyday of course. language. Absolutely. This is one of them. Excuse me. I have to call everyone I've ever met right now. I used it this <laughs> week. I used it this week. Somebody sent me a funny video through text message. And I responded back to him. I said... Hang on. I have to forward <laughs> this to every person in my phone. Oh, I love that. I love that. Uh, Buffy has woven her way into our lives in so many 
so many ways that I, I probably don't even notice on a daily basis. And we are blessed for it, aren't we? For sure. I mean, I wrote a college, my one of my college essays on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So it's incredible. I didn't know that. Yeah. I also, um, my final, my history final, senior year of high school, um, I had done all of the math, the grade math to know like what I needed to get on my final. And it was like, I could fart and pass. So I decided <laughs> rather than writing about Vietnam, which we'd only had like a week of classes on, I decided I would write about the Battle of Sunnydale, uh, which I will talk about, I guess, in more depth in three seasons. But yeah, so that's, uh, if you want to know just an example of what a nerd I am, I, and I think I got a C on it. I was going to ask, what grade did you end up getting? I think I got did they a give C. you any any kind of gimme points or whatever? I think I got Had a C. To That's impressive. I think I got a C, which is impressive because I didn't write it on the topic at all, which means it should have been an F. Yeah. I should have gotten a zero. If I got a C, that means I got points. So you that means he gave us a compelling case. I must have. Um, it what, was well written about, and well thought. What class? Tell me about this essay in college. This sounds interesting. Um, so it was about the influence of Buffy as a role model on my choices. Wow. Yeah. So in season four, she has a quote, fortune favors the brave. I know some people mm. say bold. She says brave, which means that's what's correct. Uh, and that <gasps> became a motto for my life. Um, taking, taking chances and being being brave, being bold, uh, and despite of, you know, nerves or not being sure if I was good enough or and those kinds of things. Allie, you're being brave right now. You're in you're in Los Angeles. Yes, I am by myself. For a month. For a this was that was brave. Month. Thank you. I, f I forget that sometimes and sometimes I need to be reminded. Well, I'm here. Buffy's here to remind you. I love you. Fortune favors the brave. I love it you does. too. God damn it. Ugh. Anyways. Anyways. So just another shout out to the master as an excellent villain. Scary, not ridiculous, just like subtle. And yeah, I just, and he looks great. Like for mm -hmm. practical, non-CGI, old school effects. He looks fantastic. He's suave too. He's mm -hmm. a suave mm -hmm. kind of, which makes him scarier in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Also what's scarier is... How much blood do you have to drink to permanently stain your mouth? I, for sure, as a child watching this, thought his lips were just chapped. <laughs> <laughs> dude's, dude's drank a lot of blood in his time, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think it was the blood. I think that is. Do you think it was the I blood? think we're meant to interpret it as such. Come on. It could be dry down there. You don't know. I, it could be both, sure. I don't know. I love I love the picture of like Luke pulling out some Carmex or like some Vaseline <laughs> for him. Do you need some bird speeds? Actually, yeah. no, because he emerges out of that like pool of blood. He's of blood. He's hella yeah. hydrated. That's very yeah, blood is I guess very it's hydrating. Very hydrating. Yeah, maybe maybe it's the blood. Maybe you're right, Allie. Yeah. I can't remember who said this, but oh, 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 oh. So the guy who looks like DeBarge, who's with Willow, the vampire who takes Willow, and they're walking through the cemetery. He says, come on, what are you afraid of? And my thought was, uh, you? 
the white male. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the yeah the white dude who good idea to um, walking me through a cemetery. Yeah, it's a shortcut. What do you, don't gaslight me? What am I afraid of? Yeah, There's tons there? to be afraid of here. What he Come wants on. to go like okay, I can see cutting through the the cemetery, whatever. Maybe it's a shortcut, but then like sidetracking into the mausoleum. No, I mean. Neither of us would do that, as we've already established. We did not do crazy things and felonies or anything like breaking in places. Absolutely not. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah, hard pass. Um, I like when Willow establishes some boundaries here. Mm -hmm. I love a good boundary. Yeah, he says that wasn't funny. Yeah, it wasn't funny. Yep, call him out. Call him out. Yeah, and she she says she wants to go home. She's like, I don't like this. I want to go home. Hmm. At a girl. We'd love to see it, Willow. Love to see it. Yes, leading by example. Um, love the quips. Once Buffy comes in and is and is fighting the vampires, I love the quips. Love a quip, and it's something so that should be. The show ends up being famous for her her yeah. quips while fighting. Yeah, the the little the Slayer vibes. That's one of my favorite quotes from this episode. Well, this is nice. It's a little bare, but a dash of pain, a few throw pillows, call it a home. <laughs> And that's sort of foreshadowing to someone who does end up putting some throw pillows in a sound system and living out of a fridge. Yeah, fridge. Yeah. Recliner. Clearly found. He must have lots of extension cords. But yeah, a recliner. Yep, 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 yep. So I wonder who that utility bill goes to. Whatever. I won't think about it. He doesn't care. Oh, well, it goes to the city or whoever whatever's in control of because i assume it's the cemetery's power so whether it's a government a city funded uh or a private cemetery yeah yeah that's true yeah yeah i guess the cemetery owners are just like okay boom question answered where is all of electricity going how is these dead people i don't know what's going on um another slayer vibe from this episode that i love um she's baiting the vampires and she goes she's like are you sure you want to fight um now this is not going to be pretty we're talking (laughs) about violence drawn language adult content (laughs) she stakes somebody and goes see what happens when you roughhouse man don't pick a fight with somebody (laughs) who's making fun of you while you're thinking about fighting them absolutely because it does speak to like their confidence you're like how are they this confident that they're able like they're not expending enough energy fighting me yeah, they also have energy to quip. So it's like, yeah, that's how you so, know you're outmatched. I'm so little of a threat to this person yep. that they are sassing me while I'm getting ready to fight them. Like, yikes. That's humbling. Absolutely. Yeah. The last note then, that I have for this episode is Buffy starts at oh, such a really great place of like clearly capable, clearly strong. But as we'll see when Luke comes in, lots of room to grow. Like, we can still see her newness, whereas, you know, she has been slaying for probably, I don't know, six months, a year um, Mm -hmm. about that, if she was called towards the beginning of freshman year. But she still has a ways to go and has a lot to learn, which is pretty cool. Yeah, they do a really good job of um, setting kind of the bounds of her power Mm -hmm. right at first. It leaves us wanting more. Yeah. And and uh she's not the only character who we're gonna see substantially grow in their power. Absolutely true. 
And unexpected too. Mm -hmm. I, it's definitely not something I would have called. Yeah, for sure not. Um, okay. Each episode, we're going to talk about some sort of moral, some sort of theme, some sort of, you know, what have you. Um, I would, I would submit for this one, this idea that we talked about already that you can't run away from who you are in a couple of different senses, right? Absolutely. Buffy can't, Buffy, the dreams are going to keep coming to Buffy, whether she wants them or not. The vampire mystical forces are going to keep finding her, but also she, she has an inner drive to, she goes to look at the dead student to see if her fears were confirmed mm -hmm. and she puts herself in great danger to go rescue her new friend. Um, can't run away from who you are, can you? Yeah. And I also think there's sort of, yeah, she can't run away from who she is as much as she's trying, as much as she is really trying to get back to where she was pre-slaying in her old school where she was one of the popular girls. She was a cheerleader. So she wants to be friends with Cordelia off the bat because she's cool. She wants to be fashionable. You know, she struggles over her outfit for the first day and for the bronze and stuff. So you can see her trying to go back to that like popular girl life. But then you see her face when Cordelia is a bitch to Willow. Mm -hmm. Where you can just see that like the dust has been rubbed out of her eyes, you know, mm -hmm. and she cannot go back to that ignorance of, you know, popular girl mentality. Things are deeper than that. She she knows that there are bigger things to do than your hair on a Saturday night. So as much as she wants to, she can't deny what she now knows, this new aspect of her. Oh, that reminds me of that musical Children of Eden. Have you ever listened to it, Allie? I saw a show with you at Glenelg Country. We did see that together. Mm. Oh, that was one of my favorite productions of it too. One of the one of the characters in it, Eve, it follows kind of loosely the story of Adam and Eve, and Eve eats the apple or whatever, and also the Garden of Eden is misogynistic as fuck. Why are you putting all the blame on the whatever? Fine. <laughs> Anyways, fine. Um, oh, a god in the um, musical asks Eve if you could take it back, would you? And she says, I don't want to feel this pain, but no, I wouldn't go back. And it's kind of like I'm hearing kind of a similar thing there with Buffy. It's yeah. like, yeah, she is. What What do you do? Like, like you say, she knows what goes bump in the night now. She mm -hmm. can't turn back. And it's both in her slaying life, but also just her as a person who mm -hmm. cares about people. Yeah. Yeah. She she grew whether she wanted to or not. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, what are your final thoughts about this episode, Allie? I think it is an excellent pilot episode. I think it gives us such a great first introduction into all of these characters. And I, again, I can't say it enough. All of the, the show don't tell, you know, just by the way that people talk to each other. You know, we can tell that Jesse, Xander and Willow have been friends for a very, very long time, mm -hmm. probably since elementary school like us. Um, and they didn't have to say that, you know, they didn't have to say like, oh, we've been lifelong friends. Like, no, we we get that. And even in just little things like we know that Giles is new because mm -hmm. when she, Buffy talks about the librarian to Willow. She's like, oh, yeah, he's new. He seems so cool. And she's like, oh, he's new. 
And mm. it's just like in little, they drop little bits of information um, that I think has created just such a great foundation. I think it's cool too how the characters are so established in their little quirks and everything right from the start. Oh, yeah. Like it really feels like the the characters that we see like by the end of the second season for example they've grown but cordelia's still a bitch right and... they're still them they go they yeah. do they do shift and change with the things that happen to them um but it's not in the same way that like like if you look at the beginning of brooklyn 99 the first couple episodes rosa is not the same as she is in the fifth, sixth, seventh episodes of the first season. You can tell that they were still figuring out that character and they were still making changes and stuff. And there wasn't quite what she was going to be the whole time. No, these are the characters. They are fully fledged. They are three-dimensional. Did, um, do you know, was, were these the breakout roles for these actors? Almost, Not almost Anthony definitely. Not Anthony Stewart Almost was... definitely. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm pretty pretty sure. Man, they got a couple of winners. Oh, I love mm-hmm. this show so much. Yeah, and it's interesting. Um, Charisma Carpenter, who played Cordelia, actually initially auditioned for Buffy. I think I did know that. I think you told me that before. That's I so interesting. Did. I used to come back from How... conventions with all sorts of information. Do you think? Yeah. What if? No. No. It's got to be Sarah Michelle Gellar. Got to be Sarah Michelle Gellar. There's no. I can't see those characters as. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a Willow type Buffy? No, of course not. Can't do it. No. Can you? It's got to be Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't. I really can't imagine anybody else as it. I mean, and also seeing her seven seasons and comic books and all that it's very hard to see anybody else uh playing buffy summers i could see other mm. slayers but anyone else is buffy summers you just can't can't do it can't do it gotta be sarah michelle geller do you want to close this out ally i will i think that about does it for this episode thank you so much for joining us and we hope you'll join us again for our next episode when we'll discuss season one episode two the harvest And if you were just too excited to wait until our next episode to chat, send us an email at tabularasabpod at gmail.com. And you can also say hello to us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at at tabularasabpod. Allie. Yes. You, I do not have a social media presence. You do. Where can people find you on social media? Well, Nick, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at daughterpick, D-A-U-G-H-T-E-R-P-I-C-K, and at futureblackcat on TikTok. That spelled how it sounds. And then if you would like to support my journey as a young artist, you can head over to buymeacoffee.com slash Allie Press, A-L-L-I-E-P-R-E-S-S. That would be much appreciated. Much love. You get great content from it too. You're a great writer, Allie. And I get some weekly, not so weekly updates from you that I love reading. I appreciate Um, that. I do. I share on on the Buy Me a Coffee, you also get not so weekly updates, which are what they sound like update on, you know, auditions and gigs and life stuff. And if you're into that kind of thing, head on over there. How about that? How about Um, that? Well, 
Allie, our friends, all of these social media handles are going to be in the description. Hit us up. And Allie, I can't wait to talk with you again very, very soon. Me too. I love you. Until then, make good choices. Bye. Tabula Rasa Bitches is hosted by Ali Press and Nick Mercer, with music by Inflaton Cult, artwork by Charlotte Fleming Design, and consultation by Evo Terra.